Welcome back to Sideline Exposure. I'm your host, Mitchell Crossan, and college football week nine is now complete. Let's start with the Big Ten. Ohio State at Penn State. Ohio State 44, Penn State 31. Ohio State with a huge second half surge, fourth quarter surge to come back and win this game. This game definitely had some juice, had some energy. And here's the thing about Penn State. In the last six, seven years, no other team in the Big Ten has played Ohio State better than Penn State. And before yesterday's game, the previous six matchups, the average margin of victory has been decided by 6.3 points. And I actually made a video about that. You can follow us on our social medias at Silent Exposure on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Silent Expose on Twitter. But I made a video about that, and a lot of people were saying, well, not this year, Ohio State, blowout, Ohio State by 21, 28, whatever. And I was like, really? This is Penn State. They're not afraid to play Ohio State. They not only think they can hang with Ohio State, but that they can beat Ohio State. And look, guys, Beaver Stadium, when they play Ohio State, especially at night, I know yesterday was not at night, but Beaver Stadium at night, whiteout against Ohio State, is probably the loudest college football stadium in the country. Again, yesterday, big new kickoff. It wasn't at night. It wasn't a whiteout. But Penn State just gets crazy when Ohio State comes into town. That's a very hostile environment. Ohio State did not get that in 2020 when they went to Penn State because of the COVID season. There were no fans. So a lot of players in this roster, almost every player on this Ohio State team, did not have the true Penn State experience until yesterday. The Buckeyes definitely have some work to do, but this was a good test and a good win for them and they won this on the backs of cj stroud marvin harrison jr and jt Tumaluau, the defensive end who had the game of the century pretty much so here's his stat line six tackles two sacks three tackles for loss two picks one of them was a pick six pass breakup forced fumble fumble recovery and for context that is the only player the only fbs player this century to even just have two picks, two sacks, forced fumble, and fumble recovery all in the same game. So an awesome game by JT. And also, CJ Stroud had a great game. Marvin Harrison Jr. had a great game. And the Buckeyes got it done. Let's go ahead and stick with the Big Ten here. Let's talk about Michigan State at Michigan for Paul Bunyan. Michigan with a very convincing 29-7 win. It feels like this Michigan team is in a really good spot right now. And of course... You know, we're at that point, it does feel like Ohio State and Michigan are two freight trains on a crash collision course to meet at the end of the year where they're both undefeated, which could be a crazy top five matchup. But until then, you look at this Michigan team, so they're set on running the ball, having a good offensive line, and that's what they have. And that's what they can do really, really well. The offensive line might be even better than they were last year. They have a great one-two punch, Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum. Blake Corum is leading the way on that offense. You have a five-star kid, sophomore J.J. McCarthy at quarterback. He has a very high ceiling. He doesn't look great throwing the ball, especially in tight windows, but he's a baby. And he's going to continue to progress and get better as the season comes along. But also for Michigan, I'm not too concerned about J.J. McCarthy because he's not the focal point of the offense. Now, he can move. He can run around a little bit. It looks like he probably has like four or five speed. So he can definitely he can definitely run and has that dual threat aspect to him. But is he CJ Stroud? Is he Bryce Young in terms of his throwing ability, Caleb Williams? No. But you may not need him to be when you have Blake Corum running for 150 yards every game. 
And here's the best part about JJ. He's only going to continue to get better with every game that he plays. And he's at the point where he's probably going to have a game where he pops and looks really good as a thrower. And if Michigan can remain really, really well balanced throwing and running the ball, it will be trouble for the Buckeyes come the final weekend in November. Let's go ahead and shift to the SEC. Tennessee with a huge, just dominant win. Maybe not huge. Dominant win over Kentucky, 44-6. to This Kentucky team isn't as good as we think, but again, they're not bad. And you got to give Tennessee a ton of credit. Their defense did a really good job helping just contain Kentucky. Not that you have to contain the Wildcats, but defensively, especially in the passing game, that's been the only question surrounding Tennessee. We know they can move the ball on offense. They've proven that time and time again. But now, with that dominant win, they are looking really, really good, especially in the eyes of the college football playoff committee. We'll get to that a little bit later in the show. This is setting up for a huge matchup in Athens next week when Tennessee travels to Georgia, who, speaking of Georgia, defeated Florida 42-20. Georgia jumped out to a very quick lead. Florida tried to fight the way back in the second half. Whatever. It was cute. Georgia had this thing wrapped up early. And it's hard to get a read on Georgia right now because it feels like they're due for a loss. They have the talent to go 12-0 and go undefeated and actually go 13-0 and probably win the SEC. But they can't shake that game against Missouri. I mean, they could have and probably should have lost that game. Regardless, this will be a statement win for one of these two teams. Let's work our way into the Big 12. TCU 41, West Virginia 31. TCU remains as the only undefeated team in the Big 12. And Kansas State with a huge shutout win over Oklahoma State, 48-0. So at this point, even though TCU and Kansas State just played the previous week, it's looking like these are the two best teams in the Big 12. And if they both continue to take care of business, especially Kansas State, that's probably going to be a Big 12 championship rematch. Before jumping into some other thoughts, let's quickly do a rapid fire. Oregon 42, Cal 24, Bo Nix looks hot right now. Another six touchdown day. He had five touchdowns last week, so the Oregon Ducks are looking pretty good and solidifying themselves back as a top 10 team. Wake Forest, Sam Hartman, rough day against Louisville. Louisville 48, Wake Forest 21. USC 45, Arizona 37, UCLA back in the win column 38, Stanford 13, Ole Miss also back in the win column 31-28, Texas A&M just continues to lose. And then this next game, people kind of saw this coming, Notre Dame defeats Syracuse, Notre Dame 41, Syracuse 24, Illinois continuing to win games here, keep an eye on Illinois, representing the Big Ten out of the Big Ten West, Illinois 26, Nebraska 9. Cincinnati loses to UCF, UCF 25, Cincinnati 21. And North Carolina with a win over Pitt, North Carolina 42, Pitt 24. So we're at that point. Teams have been tested. Either they were tested earlier in the year, either they were tested this weekend, or teams will continue to be tested the following weekend. Right around Halloween proves to be the big like mid-season test for pretty much a lot of programs. And you kind of get a feel for what each team is, who's a true pretender, who's a fraud. And the initial college football playoff rankings are being released next Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. We're actually going live on our TikTok at Sideline Exposure. Tune in if you want to see what four teams are going to make it in the top four initially. But the initial rankings are always a little bit tricky because 
the committee will show us what metrics they value the most. Up until that point, it's kind of hard to get a true feel on what the committee thinks of teams like Oregon or teams that have like a loss that are looking better or even like a team like TCU who is undefeated and has some pretty solid wins, but you're not really sure what they are. So the committee will give us insight into that. But historically, the committee really seems to take a lot of high value into two things. One, head-to-head results, right? So in this case, Georgia's huge win over Oregon. That is a big, big driver on Georgia's resume. The other metric is current ranked wins. And then, of course, things like being undefeated and the eye test do matter. But historically, ranked wins and head-to-head results hold a lot of value within the committee. Usually, I have a pretty good feel on what the committee is going to do for these initial rankings. But I am struggling a little bit this year because I'm not sure if they're sold completely on Tennessee. I'm I'm sold so far, and we'll see how it goes against Georgia. But for me, I don't know what else I would need to see from Tennessee to put them as the best team in the country. So if I was releasing a ranking, I would have Tennessee number one, and then from there, it does get complicated. Ohio State was tested, has a really good win at Penn State on the road, tough environment. They did not look great, but man, when you really needed them to get the job done, the avalanche came and they scored like 28 points in the fourth quarter. And then what do you do about Georgia? I mean, God, they have talent. There's times when they look really good and it looks really easy, but they just haven't looked great every week. And I'm not going to hold the Missouri game against them too much because ultimately they did win that game. And you have to give teams credit for winning, even if it doesn't look pretty against bad opponents. One, two, and three, you can kind of move around almost however you want. I don't think Ohio State deserves to be number one. I'm not saying that they can't ever get there, but for this week, I imagine it'll be Tennessee or Georgia, and I feel like the committee will probably go with Tennessee. I do feel pretty confident that Michigan will be in the top four, probably at that fourth spot. And then Clemson and TCU, I'm not sure they truly believe in. Again, TCU has had some come-from-behind wins. You know, Their defense hasn't looked great, but again, they're winning games, and they have some some quality wins on their resume. Clemson also has some quality wins, but real concerns about their quarterback, DJ. I mean, inconsistent play continues to be an issue for the Tigers. And then from there, it's going to be where's the Pac-12? Where's Oregon? Where's USC? Where's UCLA? I imagine they'll probably be in that order. Oregon is probably the highest ranked Pac-12 team, probably followed by USC and then UCLA. And no, I did not forget about Alabama. They're going to be in the top 10 somewhere. They're going to be closer to, I think, the top four than that 10 spot. But then this will give us a a view into the, the mind of the committee, right? Like, what if they put Alabama ahead of Clemson and TCU? Or what if they're ahead of just TCU? Or even if they're not ahead of them, right? Maybe they'll show us, hey, we value Clemson's and TCU's resume and their undefeated record over Alabama. Regardless, I am excited that the CFP rankings are finally being released now on a weekly basis. I'm tired of the AP poll, right? I, I It drives me crazy. AP voters vote differently. People get so upset about the AP too. Like, who cares if your team is ranked fourth when you think they should be ranked number two? It's the AP. It doesn't matter at all. The CFP rankings are fun. I like that release every week, and I'm looking forward to 
again, seeing what the committee is going to value the most, probably going to be the same as years past, but again, they will give us an insight into a team like Oregon who has a bad loss, but has continued to improve. And a team like Oregon does not control their own destiny, but they are not out of the playoff race yet. One last point on the CFP rankings, pay close attention to who they rank 10 through 25, because they will use those teams as like ranked wins to justify the ranking of teams like high up on that number one spot. So for instance, if they rank Georgia number one and Oregon number eight, they'll say, well, part of our justification for ranking Georgia number one is because they beat the number eight ranked team in the country by 46 points. I'm not saying that they rank Oregon eighth just to justify their ranking of Georgia at number one, but just pay attention to that because if there is a team that's ranked higher than people normally think, when the committee is pressed and asked about that, they'll say, well, you look at the body of work, you look at this, X, Y, Z, especially if they have those ranked wins, look at where the committee ranks those teams and they'll be able to use that to justify their rankings. Okay, that will do it for this week's episode of SE. Follow us on our social medias. You can find us at TikTok at Silent Exposure. If you want to join the live, we will see you then. As always, thank you for listening and go Bucks.